Hello, listeners, and welcome to the first and only episode of Political Pandemic Podcast Monday. Today's episode, holy guacamole, NAFTA and its impact on U.S. and Mexican avocado industries. Our conversation today is going to center around the avocado production industry in the U.S. and Mexico, exploring its state before and after the controversial implementation of NAFTA and examining trade between the two countries in three areas. One, economic development. Two, labor. And three, ecology. So make yourself a cup of coffee and relax as we dive deeper into the history of the avocado industry in both of these countries. All right, so we are first going to talk about Mexico's 10,000-year history of avocado cultivation. So this all actually dates back to ancient Mesoamerica, which is now modern-day central Mexico, Belize, Guatemala, El Salvador, Honduras, Nicaragua, and northern Costa Rica. And here it was grown by indigenous populations like the Aztecs and the Mayans. The rich mineral content in the volcanic soil abundant in this area proved to be ideal conditions for growing the avocado and allowed for its quick spread throughout the entirety of South America. And not only was it used as a food source by indigenous people, but it was also used as currency in exchange for goods, home remedies for bruises and muscle strains, and even stamps for clothing and fabrics. And when Spanish conquistadors were introduced to the avocado by the Aztecs at the beginning of the 16th century, they documented that the flesh of the avocado was like butter and is of marvelous flavor and pleasing to the palate. So obviously the Spanish really did take a liking to this new novel fruit. In fact, the Spanish loved avocado so much, realizing its economic value, they began trading it all throughout Europe with the new name aguacate. Now, this word comes from a corruption of the Nahuatl word of testicle, which is aguacate. But I guess that word was just too hard for them to pronounce, so they just changed it to what we know today as aguacate, or in English as avocado. So this initial Spanish trade of avocados kind of kick-started and laid the foundation of the industry that would later become one of Mexico's largest exports. So fast forward to the decades leading up to NAFTA, and Mexico, particularly the state of Michoacán, had become the world's leading producer of avocados, accounting for 36% of the entire global supply. And by, by this time, the avocado was basically just intertwined with Mexican heritage and economy. So you'll, you'll find this stuff everywhere. You'll find it on top of sandwiches, tacos, quesadillas, and guacamole. And you'll also see it in a lot of Mexican beauty products and medicine. So all this booming avocado industry within Mexico is what led to Mexican producers wanting to expand that industry into American markets as well. And I'm about to explain why that wasn't exactly possible. Since 1914, the United States had actually banned avocados being imported from Mexico just to protect American growers from potential infestations of pests like seed weevils and fruit flies found in other Mexican products. And nine of these pests of quarantine significance were known to occur in the state of Michoacan. It wasn't exactly the, the most ideal situation. However, this now meant that the bulk of avocados in the U.S. would have to be made domestically. And unlike Mexico's naturally fertile conditions, the U.S. did not have many places to cultivate avocados. Steve Barnard, chief executive of Mission Produce, explains that avocados are real fickle. They don't like it too hot or too cold. And so this left very few options for the United States to grow avocados. 
The most ideal state was California, most particularly Southern California, which harbored similar growing conditions comparable to Mexico. And in the years leading up to NAFTA, California actually became the largest domestic producer of avocados, accounting for 95% of all avocado crops in 1993, which were worth about $255 million. And this all sounds like a lot, but in comparison to the production of corn in the same year, which was worth about $16 billion, you can see how avocados weren't exactly the most popular produce being grown in the United States. But but this is where NAFTA comes into play into bringing the swift change of the avocado industry in both the U.S. and Mexican markets. So essentially what NAFTA did was just get rid of all the tariffs on exports and imports between the U.S. and Mexico and of course Canada. But what this meant for avocados is that the tariff would decrease from 11.2 cents to zero in a six-year span. And the whole goal of this, of newly established free trade was to produce prices on fruit and other produce like the avocado. So how this would work was that Mexican imports would complement domestic supply during low production in winter months, but, but also increasing the supply during years of lower crop yields. And by the end of 2014, an estimated 75 to 80% of all avocados consumed in the US were sourced from Mexico. Now, American consumers started to take notice of lowering prices and more widespread availability of the avocado and not only was its distinct flavor and texture differentiating it from other more classic fruits like apples oranges bananas you know but also its increasing popularity was due to a large latin community immigrating to the country so today you'll find avocados in literally everything you'll find it in um beauty products shampoos, conditioners, um, you find avocado oil used in an everyday cooking, you find it in smoothies, ew, and you can also, of course, the hipster way, you can spread it on top of your toast. Classic, go with some eggs. Now, this, this all seems all good, like production's up, people are liking it in the United States, but this didn't really come like with no strings attached. Because with this increasing demand also came an increasing use and depletion of fertile farmlands in California, with avocados requiring twice the amount of water compared to a similar weight in oranges. And with California already prone to multi-year droughts and already facing a deteriorating water quality, the state really found itself struggling to keep up with the increasing demand of avocados with its limited resources. So you're, you're gonna see this turn into a positive feedback loop where avocados used up all the water resources during the summer months and then oranges only added to that consumption during the winter months. So on and off, on and off, on and off, right? And a seemingly simple solution would just be change the water supply, right? Use desalinated water from the ocean instead of groundwater. Simple, right? But of course it, it isn't all that straightforward because with the collective emissions of switching sources of water, like um, use of construction machinery, transportation of water rigging materials and construction workers, you have to get them there to actually work up the rigging. And um, maintenance, after it's all set up, that would amount to a 270% increase of greenhouse gases already currently made by the avocado production industry in California. Not only is California facing the dilemma of depleting sources of water, but it's also facing a threat of pesticides contaminating existing sources of groundwater meant for potable uses. 
The pesticides used in avocado groves contain nitrates, which is a known human carcinogen, and run the risk of migrating from avocado fields into the drinking water supply. And the whole point of all these pesticides was to prevent any other pests from coming in from Mexican produce. And the use of these pesticides wasn't limited to only Californian growers, because Mexico also used equal amounts of chemicals to not only grow avocados, but also to clear pine forests, especially in Michoacan, to make way for new plots of land to grow the crop. And it's, it's unclear if these chemicals used to clear forests has an effect on um, people living in the areas, but locals have described um, people having more stomach and breathing problems once those chemicals are wafted into their houses. So that's, that's definitely a point that's under scrutiny by a lot of people living in Mexico right now. And all of this deforestation in Mexico to make way for avocados is increasing by 2.5% a year. However, it wasn't only the ecological issues that had been a concern for avocado growers in opening up trade after NAFTA, but also in the United States, there was a perceived threat to American agricultural jobs. During a 1993 speech in front of the House of Representatives, Congressman Duke Cunningham called NAFTA an attack on American agricultural jobs with 6,000 American avocado growers and 21,000 workers in danger of losing their livelihoods. But this implies that there was an absolute outsourcing of agricultural jobs to cheaper producers in Mexico, when the effects on agricultural jobs in the United States after NAFTA was a lot more complicated than that. Whereas the United States really did see a shift of the U.S. workforce from industrial to white-collar jobs in most other goods, the growth of avocado production in the United States, as well as Mexico, increased the demand for unskilled labor. And, and due to the intensive nature of the crop collection, this just intensified the pull effect of labor from Mexico into the United States, as these jobs were mainly filled by illegal immigrants looking for better working conditions. So essentially, these jobs weren't outright relocated to Mexico as previously implicated, but it just merely shifted labor forces of the people working them. And while the U.S. Department of Agriculture has jurisdiction to inspect produce coming into the United States to protect against pests and parasites, they weren't responsible for inspecting the working conditions of those who picked them. And the terrible conditions of these workers was most prevalent in the state of Sinaloa, which is the second largest producer of avocados in Mexico. So these workers, called jornaleros, are a community of indigenous migrants from poor southern states like Guerrero and Oaxaca that are circulating um, the northern states of Mexico following harvest periods. And whereas the average field labor in the United States makes about $7 an hour, these workers make roughly $7 a day, depending on how much they harvest. Entire families, including babies and children, will be roped into the field simply because they have nowhere else to go. They don't know where to leave their children, so they just bring them with them. And these workers live in poor rural towns surrounding crop fields ready for harvesting. And they get ready by dawn to load themselves onto trucks that take them to and from their day's work and repeat the cycle the next day. And as explained by Ella Ortiz, existe evidencia que los efectos en la salud de los jornaleros y las poblaciones vecinas por el uso exceso de agroquímicos son problemáticas. So not only are these workers facing grueling work hours of manual labor with little pay, 
but are also subject to dangerous pesticides containing similar carcinogenic ingredients like pesticides used in the United States. While some jornaleros simply accept this as a way of making a living and aren't really ashamed of their work, other workers have unionized and mounted strikes against the inhumane conditions stating that Los que ya no aguantamos el salario de hambre que recibimos, los que ya no aguantamos de ya no recibir nuestras prestaciones de ley, fuimos los que despertamos. So all these contrasting perspectives presented on the impact of NAFTA and various other sectors of the avocado industry in the United States and Mexico makes it pretty clear that NAFTA holds a really large power not only in bringing development to both countries, but also the capability of intensifying any underlying problems present even before its introduction. It is quite difficult to determine, however, what trade-offs are worth giving for the sake of growth in both U.S. and Mexican economies, which is what leads to such polarizing opinions on the current terms of NAFTA. And even now, these terms are still up in the air with the Trump administration reviewing NAFTA and reevaluating it to serve more efficiently in modern-day markets. And one proposal was that a seasonal tariff on some produce from Mexico could be introduced. And once these tariffs are put into place, Mexico may start to initiate their own trade cases for a wide variety of U.S. agricultural products, beginning more of a tit-for-tat cycle that could broadly limit agricultural trade. Which basically means that avocados could get caught up in the battle of petty tariff setting by both countries. So in conclusion, the whole avocado situation, especially with the current COVID-19 pandemic limiting consumption of higher priced fruits, still makes it quite unclear what the fate of avocados is in both the United States and Mexico. And that is the end of today's episode of Political Pandemic Podcast Monday. Um, Please do not join us next week because there won't be another episode. Um, Stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Have a good night.